Welcome to the Freedom Formula for Physicians podcast, where it's all about slashing your debt and taxes and creating a liberated lifestyle. And now, your host, with the love of fantasy books and funk, and the hatred of running more than three miles, Dave Denniston. My name is Dave Denniston, and welcome back to the latest episode of the Freedom Formula for Physicians podcast. Well, I have been listening to quite a few other podcasts lately, and one in particular is focused on dentists. And what's fascinating to me as I'm listening and I'm learning from dental entrepreneurs is how they are focused on having a steady stream of patients that aren't referrals from other clinicians and for me, I really believe that the most financially successful physicians in the future are going to be those who are less reliant on reimbursements, and they're more reliant on their own brand. And from what I've seen so far, physicians seem to be far more control who are doing this of their time and of their financial freedom. So today, I want to empower you with information to help you do this. You, my friend, are the captain of your ship. You are in control of your destiny. As a matter of fact, our guest today, he has been focused on digital marketing. So we're going to go to a little business education today. And I am geeked out because I admire this man. He is the host of the Onward Nation podcast. And you'll discover, just like me, I love listening to his voice. He has a voice that is made for radio. As a matter of fact, I may even sound like a squeaky little mouse next to his deep beautiful, booming voice. But uh, anyhow, more importantly, this man, he is someone who is authentic, he is transparent, and he's a good soul. And in this world where there's so much information, there's so much BS, in my opinion, he's someone he brings optimism, but he also helps bring a dose of reality. And I know because I was honored, I was privileged to be on his podcast about six months ago, and we've chatted a few times since. He is a friend, he is a mentor, and I am humbled to have him on this podcast. So let's dive in. I know we're going to learn a lot today. Please help me welcome Stephen Westner from Predictive ROI. Welcome, Stephen. Wow. Wow. What what an amazing introduction. You First of all, you're so very kind. Um, and, and I'm just really, really looking forward to the conversation. Thank, thank you for the invitation. Hey, you're welcome. Were you ever on radio by any chance? I, I've never asked you this before. <laughs> uh, no. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> but Maybe. I... I <laughs> Maybe another life. Maybe so. Maybe so. Thank you that. Or that, is, <laughs> that is very kind of you to say, though. Awesome. Well, I mentioned that you are the owner of Predictive ROI. You have the Onward Nation podcast and Onward Nation, but a lot of our listeners may not be familiar with you. Actually, I was having breakfast with some guys earlier, and I was talking podcasts, and I was talking Pat Flynn, mm-hmm. and their eyes just glazed over. Like, who's that? <laughs> John Lee Dumas. They have no idea who this is. So... Uh, if people aren't familiar with those, they, they I'm sure they are not familiar with perhaps you or I. So give us a little thumbnail sketch, Stephen, how you got this start in the online world. Well, really, since the, since the advent of the commercial internet, which is back in, goodness, 94, 95, um, I, I've been collecting tens of thousands of data points you know, for the last 20 plus years about what works and what doesn't. And, and through that period of time have uncovered these eight money draining mistakes. These are the mistakes that 
business owners often make across any industry, whether somebody is, uh, you know, a, a doctor, a dentist, somebody's running a manufacturing company. Um, these are just very common mistakes that most people make business owners make online. And, and, but then also once the good news is once those things are fixed, then, then they can apply what, what I like to call the eight money making opportunities. And, and so we've packaged all of that up into what we call the predictive ROI method, Predictive ROI is a content marketing and lead gen agency. This is what we do as far as creating content, generating leads for clients. You mentioned Onward Nation, which is our daily podcast for business owners that has listeners now in 103 countries around the world, which we're grateful for. And it's just such an honor and, and blessing to be able to share that kind of message where we get to interview, you know, today's top business owners, yourself included, you know, on that show and share the great wisdom with all of our listeners. So it's really just a delight and honor and a privilege to be here with you this morning and, and being able to do what it is that we get to do. Um, so anyway, thank you again for the invitation. Oh, you're so welcome. Well, I think what's fascinating about your journey is, I mean, you made it through a tech crash. You made it through the most recent recession and, and you've been studying tech um, this whole time. Um, can you tell us just a little bit, just give us a little business lesson. If, if someone is, is a physician, mm. uh, how has that been changing for them from your perspective? You know, it's, it's interesting because you could certainly look at tech, like from a hardware software perspective and say that things have changed a lot. Right. And, 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 and certainly nobody would argue with you as far as how to manage a practice 20 years ago, again, from a tech, like from a hardware software perspective versus managing a practice today, clearly different tools, different systems, different software, different hardware, all of that processes and, and whatnot is different. However, one thing that is the fundamental um, constant in all of that is the patient to doc relationship. Mm-hmm. That never changes. And, and, you know, how you communicate, maybe the conduit that you use to pass through content or manage that communication and, and, you know, electronic medical records and all of that stuff. Sure. There's always going to be volatility in that and changes in that. But what really drives a practice, in my opinion, will always be, and always has been the one-on-one personal human to human eye to eye relationships. And you can use systems to accentuate that accentuate that relationship or you can use systems to destroy those relationships. But ultimately, in again, in my opinion, a doc looking to grow his or her practice needs to think about what can I do at the core to make my patients know or feel loved? And how can I help them understand that I think they're amazing, awesome, wonderful, beautiful, incredible people. And it's such a gift and an honor to be able to serve them on a daily, weekly, monthly, whatever it is, basis. And if a, and if a, a physician starts there with that mindset, the tech is easy to figure out, in my opinion. Mm. Well, that's, that's, that's beautiful sentiment. And I know many physicians relate to that, right? They, they want to be spending that patient time. Um, and, uh, to segue a little bit, I know that a lot of physicians, they're, they're struggling with uh, even wanting to be a doctor in many mm. cases because of this, this desire that they want to have that human-to-human interaction, and that's declining for them in many cases. Um, and declining reimbursements is something that a lot of physicians are concerned with, I'm concerned with for them. 
And let's just play with me here for a second, Stephen. I want you to picture for a moment that you're a doctor. Just close your eyes for a second. Play with me here. And imagine you're feeling nervous about the future. You're, you're loving medicine. You're hating all of the charting, all of the electronic medical records, but you love interacting with patients. You love treating them. But on the other hand, you've never gotten a business education of any sort, and you don't know how to go about acquiring patients on your own. As a matter of fact, your pay is flatter than a pancake. You're getting good wages, but it's flat. And, and you've given up all these years to become a physician, but you're feeling behind the ball. Now, I know, my friend, you're an amazing mentor, and I would love for you to help the physician that's listening right now, that's grappling with those feelings. Um, they may own their own practice. Alternatively, maybe the physicians that are listening are working for a large hospital system. They might be a resident or fellow that wants to start their own practice eventually. Well, knowing what you know, how would you go about generating leads for your medical practice? Well, <clears throat> several things come to mind. And we can get as tactical as you'd like to get. But I'd like to start us with looping back to something that you said actually at the onset of the conversation. In fact, it might have been during your introduction when you were talking about a, a doctor's own brand, a physician's brand. And so I'll take that further by saying their personal brand. And whether, whether that, whether your listeners are inside a health system, they have their own private practice, they need to be paying attention to their own personal brand. And I don't mean shouting from the rooftops that, you know, I do this and come see me because I'm the best at that. That's not what I'm saying. What I am saying is that really understanding the avatar of the people who you love to serve and being that servant for them. And then taking that personal brand, sure, out onto Facebook, out onto LinkedIn, out onto Twitter, maybe it's Instagram, depending upon the demographic of the people who you really want to serve more of, and then creating a brand that aligns with the emotionality of that person. If you tend to work with patients who require a lot of bedside manner and a lot of nurturing because of the ailments or the conditions that you're treating them for, but you happen to not be great at bedside manner, then perhaps your personal brand shouldn't reflect that and we shouldn't try to attract those people. Or maybe it's the reverse of that. And maybe that is actually one of the things that you're amazing at and that's one of your God-given talents. Then that needs to become part of your personal brand. So I'm a firm believer in that there is an attraction that, and I'm not talking about the secret in that book and movie and, and all of that type of stuff, but I am saying is that when you get really clear on the type of person who you want to serve and then actually communicate and construct a brand, <clears throat> excuse me, around that, it's amazing how those people just somehow come into your sphere of influence. So I think getting clarity on your personal brand, getting clarity on the type of person who you want to serve as opposed to being a jack of all trades is the very, very first step. And I think you hit the nail right on the head at the onset of the conversation. Well, and I think people might be able to relate to this if they think about what I'm doing, for example, and reaching out to physicians. And as, as 
many of us know, it's, it's my personal story, um, the reason of me paying back that I love interacting with physicians, and it, it's something that's near and dear to, to my heart. Uh, for them, maybe it's a ideal patient that they love a certain procedure. As a matter of fact, I was seeing a physician yesterday who just transitioned to practice, and he's a podiatrist. And uh, right now, he's basically in private practice, but he's being forced uh, by the partners of the organization to clip toenails at retirement mm. homes all day. Oh, He's gone through all this training, three years of residency. He, he's barely making six figures, uh, and he, all he's doing is clipping toenails. Jeez. And uh, it, he wants to be in clinic more. He wants to uh, see more foot and ankle surgeries and, and do more of the fun stuff that he's passionate about. And so I'm, I'm just imagining him uh, as, as we're talking here. And let's say he, he's developing this avatar saying, okay, I want to do more foot and ankle surgeries. I want to be in clinic more. He said, I want to work with 35 to 50 year olds that are active and working out. Um, if once he's identified that avatar of, of saying, this is the exact kind of person I want to work with. What's the next step from there, Stephen? Great question. And, and you just, you just outlined the semblance of, you know, kind of the recipe for that physician to, to follow. So let's take that piece, right? We've got age, we've got demographic, we've sort of got some lifestyle stuff in that initial piece. Let's now take that deeper and match that up with the emotionality of that avatar by, by defining things like, what are their dreams and aspirations? What do they want to be doing with their life? You know, when they wake up in the morning, what are the things that, that are the major pain points, the major stressors in their day, and what also brings them joy? What are the things that they absolutely hate, hate about the physician's industry? And, and, and who do they want to impress? Who do they love the most? And then that podiatrist needs to be able to answer this question on behalf of the desired patient. So it's as if the patient is saying this to the podiatrist by saying, you will gain my trust and comfort by, and then finish that sentence on behalf of the patient. And, and whatever that answer is. And you take all of that emotionality and really understanding who your prospective patient is, the avatar of your patient. And then you take that to Instagram. Then you take that to Facebook. And you create images. You create memes. You create blog posts. You create email campaigns. You create a website that speaks the language emotionally to that person. So that when he or she comes to your website, when he or she finds you on Facebook, when he or she finds you on Twitter, that they see and feel that you are the right person for them. It doesn't matter about cost. You are the specialist that they need because you get them at the core of being a person. And that trumps medical reimbursements. That trumps differences in price. Don't kid yourself that people are not willing to pay a premium to work with people who know them, love them, and respect them. We, I mean, there are gobs of content marketing and lead gen agencies on this planet. There are 26,000 agencies in this country. Wow. And yet we successfully charge a premium price for what it is that we do because we get and understand 
the avatar of the business owner. So that that's I would take what you just said, add the emotionality of it, and then it becomes the perfect recipe for lead gen. Now, let, let me just take a step back for a second, because I imagine someone's listening to this right now. They're going, mind blown, whoa, 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 whoa. You just threw everything at me here. <laughs> do Instagram, do Facebook, do LinkedIn, do email campaigns, you know, do all this stuff. Yeah. And, and I can imagine someone listening to this right now feeling overwhelmed of, of taking a step back and like saying, dude, there's no way I have time for this stuff. I barely have time for my family right now. Right. So just, just take us to the next step. So if someone has identified their avatar, what's the very, and they've identified their emotions, they've identified uh, the, the feelings of that person, uh, which by the way, one of my suggestions that a mentor gave to me was pretend like someone, uh, you are that avatar, and you're writing a letter to you. Mm. And, and I think that'd be a great exercise for someone to go through. Uh, but once someone's done that kind of exercise, uh, what, what is one thing that they should do next after that? Uh, great point about feeling overwhelmed because I'm a firm believer that you don't have to do all those things. And what I should have said Uh, So thank you for pointing it out. What I should have said was, if your avatar tends to hang out on Facebook, then be there. If your avatar tends to hang out on Instagram and they love Instagram stories or Snapchat, then be there. Um, And so you want to find the platform, like the tech platform, for wherever the avatar tends to spend their most time. In In the world of social, it's probably Facebook. Um, but before you go, you know, headstrong into Facebook, get your website right. You're, you know, despite like all of the, you know, wonderful hoopla about social media and I am a big social media fan. So I'm, I'm not like a curmudgeon when it comes to social, please don't misunderstand. But, but if your website is not aligned with your avatar, it doesn't matter how great you are on Facebook because your website is still sort of your economic engine, if you will. That's where all the conversions happen, the legion happens, and all of that. So if you don't have the time to write content, hire somebody. There are you know, VAs, virtual assistants, around this planet who are excellent writers who will do great, great work for $20 an hour. So you'll pay them several hundred dollars to write you a new homepage or a new about us page or a new, you know, content page, whatever section, right? So don't let that be an excuse that I don't have the time. You need to do the hard work to understand who you want to serve, like I was talking about with crafting the avatar, but the resources are there. Don't let that be a place of fear that I don't have the time, that I don't know who to outsource this to. A Google search in an afternoon will solve that problem for you. Well, let, let me interrupt just a second, because I absolutely agree with you. And I think my thought is, and correct me if you think I'm totally off base on this, that the the first step of having the website is wonderful. But I think Michael Hyatt wrote a great book called Platform, which mm-hmm. I actually gave to this physician yesterday to borrow from me. Um, and I think the idea of having your megaphone. For me, obviously, that's the podcast. That, that's what I'm choosing to do. I've done some YouTube videos and stuff, but I really decided for me, a podcast was the way to do it. But maybe it could be a blog for someone. Maybe it could be a podcast. Maybe it could be video. But I think deciding what medium you want to use, because just having a website by itself isn't going to do much, right? So I think deciding upon what medium and how you want to communicate 
with your target market, um, deciding what works best for you and deciding frequency. Is this something you want to do once a month, once every other month? You know, just making a commitment to finding a platform, your website, and then all of those other things are just channels that you try and send back to your home base. What, what's your take on that and, and your impression of that? That was really good wisdom that you just shared there, right? And because to to building a platform, like I, I could say to you or you could say to me, you know, I, I've done video, you've done video, but it's not my sweet spot. I really enjoy podcasting as you do. So somebody could come to me and say, you got to do video. You got to build out a, you know, take your YouTube channel and make it this and that or whatever. And largely it's going to fall on deaf ears because I don't want to do it. And, and because I really enjoy doing podcasting as you do. So the point that I'm trying to kind of reaffirm here is that I think that you're spot on with, you know, figuring out where your customers are and then how that aligns with what you like to do and what you feel comfortable with. We should always push ourselves to to do new things. But if your talent is in podcasting, have an awesome podcast. If your talent is you know, creating images that rock on Instagram, then do that. But the point is to do something in a line that aligns with your avatar and aligns with what it is that you enjoy doing and then get it done and then outsource for additional capacity to make sure that it's done consistently if you need to. Well, and one resource I've used, I don't know if you've ever used, have you used iWriter before? No, um, I, I haven't, but that's a great example of, I've never heard of it before. And it probably rocks. There are so many to choose from. So don't let that be a constraint. And so maybe that would be a perfect one. And that's for blogging. So if anyone checks into that, you can get an article uh, bid like 10 to 12 bucks for a decently written article um, that you could put on your site. So these these solutions don't have to to cost much if you're short on time. But I think my, my thought on this platform building is do, do something you enjoy and obviously you want your avatars to come um, to to what you're doing, but if you're not enjoying it, you're not going to be doing it for too long. <laughs> so <laughs> you you have to do something that you're passionate about to a degree, mm. um, and, in my opinion. And, and having that home base of your website where you put this stuff, to me, is kind of a great, which you pointed out, the next step of, of what people can do. Um, now, we talked about the next step is kind of doing social and that kind of thing. And as we think about social, to me, most of these platforms, unless they're newer ones, you pretty much have to pay to play, uh, particularly Facebook or Instagram or some of those. Do you do you agree, disagree with that? You know, what do you think that looks like in terms of additional investment once you have your home base built out? Yeah, I, I I don't disagree at, at all. If if you're going to you know rocket on on Facebook, um, you know for example, you, you're and, and you want to grow quickly and you don't have five years, then yeah, you're gonna have to accelerate that with some spending. I mean, it's just the reality. Um, so I, so I think it goes back to, you know, what your what your goals are. Now, I will say. That, that if somebody's listening right now and they're thinking about paid Facebook ads, I would not suggest just boosting a post that you made like on a Monday with a you know cool image and that kind of stuff. You want a lot of people to see it. I would not suggest spending money on that. What I would suggest 
spending money within Facebook is running a campaign that directs people back to your website to download a something. We call that something a screaming cool value exchange, something so awesome that when somebody sees it, they're like, heck yeah, I want to download that. And it could be five or six tips of whatever, you know, three steps to this. Or, in, I mean, we've, we've all seen those kinds of things, but the point is, is that you have to make the content so emotionally compelling to your client avatar. And when you do, or your patient avatar, excuse me, and when you do, then between 6 and 13% of the people who come from Facebook and land on your website will download that. So if you're bringing 100 people a day, which would cost you probably about you know, depending upon your cost per click, anywhere between 50 to $100, and you bring 100 people that come to your website, 13 of them download that, and they do that for five days straight. At the end of five days, you've built an email list of, what, 65 people. You do that for four weeks straight. Now you've got an email list of close to 250 people. And, and, and you do that over a period of three months. Now you have an email list of almost 1,000 people. And so you've built then a really great asset. And it doesn't have to cost you a fortune, although $100 a day you know, can be pretty expensive, $2,500 you know, a month on Facebook if you're doing that Monday through Friday. But I guess my point is, if you're going to go into social and you're going to go into paid social to accelerate your results, the timing of that, be smart about the result outcome you're looking for. You're not just looking for traffic. You're looking for email opt-ins because that is the single most valuable piece that you can collect on the front end of building a relationship. Th- those are great, great, great points. And I think what what you're saying, and correct me if I have this wrong, is basically you, you want to be able to come back and say that you have something. So, for example, you offer what, what we call a lead magnet out there to try and attract your ideal customer. So then you, you get something from them, an email address or uh, a name or phone number or whatever that looks like that, that works for you. Uh, did I capture that right, Stephen? You know, it's kind of what, what you would be suggesting as a way to start out. Yeah, and, you know, exactly correct. And you and I talk about return on investment all the time because I know that you're so focused on that. Uh, as as well you should be, a smart business person is. If you're not capturing an email address and you're just like promoting a post, it's way too passive. If you don't capture an email address, you can never loop back to say, okay, out of these 750 you know, email addresses that I collected over X period of time, how many of them turned into new patients? How many of them attended an event? How many of them bought you know, nutritional supplements, if we happen to sell that within our practice, and and the list goes on and on. So, you know, for your listeners, if they're not doing exactly what it is that you just said and paying attention to ROI, which again, I know is your focus, then you you, you can't measure it if you don't have that piece. Well, and, and for me, what I love about the digital marketing is the science of it. And that you go to Facebook, even if you do boost a post, which I know you're not a fan of, but even if you do, you still have something to measure. If you do Google AdWords, you can measure to see how many people was it served to, what clicks did you get. Uh, if you have one of these lead magnets, how many people opted in. And, and for me, the, the power of it is in the science of testing. So I, I actually do disagree with you a little bit that boosting posts um, can be a cheap way, in my opinion, to test 
and see what is resonating with your audience. Because if you're not sure, which when you go about this the first time, you have no idea what the heck you're doing, right? You know, it's like, will this work? I don't know. Let's give it a try. Because uh, you're never going to know for sure until you try and do it. So for me, I, I do think that there is value in sending people to your home base, uh, but that shouldn't be all of your budget, if that makes sense. Um, it makes total sense. And that's a really great clarification there. And I'm glad that you brought up the testing piece because um, you're 100% correct. Like, let, let's say that you're thinking about, you know, four or five different topics that you're going to build a lead magnet around. Right. And and you're like, well, I don't know which one is is really going to be the winner. Well, you create a post about each of them, boost them on Facebook for 10 bucks in a day, just as you just suggested, Dave, and then and then see which one wins. And then whichever one, you know, garners the most likes or comments or maybe drives traffic to your website. Then you go down that path and go really, really deep because now you have some additional buying signals, if you will. So I, I think it's a great clarification that you just brought up. It's excellent. Well, and I think the the other part of it, of this uh, journey is as as you test and you're going about it, The big one of the big mistakes I made, and I would love to hear from you if you have a story on this, is I put a bunch of money towards something that I didn't do a small test of first. And so I blew a bunch of money on something that didn't work. If instead I just did $5 a day, I could have seen did this work or not first before blowing $20 a day on it. Um, do you have any stories about that or any experience that you can bring on that? I, I, I do, and you know, it, it's, not, it's not with um, within the, uh, the, the medical uh, field, but you know, several years ago, um, we we had gone all in on a on a uh, an event uh, that we were going to host in January of 2014 at the Ritz Carlton in Orlando that we called Predictive ROI Live, um, which was just a goofy name, but but anyway, that was just the first thing of many problems to come. And and we did not pay attention to our avatar. We did not do any you know cheap, inexpensive testing on Facebook about the message, about our event plan. Instead, we, we, we went all in and, you know, spent a lot of money on deposits and everything else with, you know, the Ritz Carlton, the, the hotel had 425 rooms. We reserved 350 of them for three nights, a thousand room nights. So just fast forward, we, the, the event completely fell apart. And it's not like we didn't have, you know, great speakers. We had, incredible speakers, Gary Vaynerchuk and Darren Hardy from Success Magazine and Don Yeager. And I mean, the platform was packed full. It was awesome. But I never took the time to think, does anybody care? And we were trying to sell the seats for uh, $7,000, you know, all inclusive. And, and I never bothered to ask your question, does anybody care? Would anybody value this? So when we opened it for registration, three people signed up, three out of 350 seats. Ouch. Ouch. Yeah. So we had to cancel it. We licked our wounds. We lost $200,000 in cash oh, wow. as a result of that. You know, and, and would our risk have been mitigated entirely by doing some Facebook testing? I don't know if it would have been mitigated entirely, but probably a whole heck of a lot. And we never took that step. So I think the advice that you're recommending to your listeners 
about boosting testing for not a lot of money is really, really smart and can save a lot of money downstream. Absolutely. Well, it's, and this all leads us to the question of, and you've alluded to a few times, of return on investment. And I would love to get your take on someone, obviously, now we've advised them, study your avatar. Well, that doesn't cost any money mm -hmm. uh, to really get in their mind, which also doesn't need to cost any money. Uh, but then number three, we start saying, hey, do a website. We start saying, spend money on Facebook ads. So all of these things start costing more and more dough. So how do you think about that, Stephen, in terms of, as you're advising clients, what should they expect? What does that look like along this journey where you're starting to put money into this stuff? What should that be in terms of payback? Help paint me a scenario thinking of a physician of how they should be thinking about that. Okay, so from a return on investment perspective, I like to see between two to 300% return. Meaning that if you put, you know, $100,000 into something, you know, I want to see, you know, between two to 300% uh, back or two to $300,000 returned. Now, with that said, I am not suggesting that your listeners, you know, plunk out $100,000, you know, toward this type of effort, especially if they're basically starting from kind of ground zero or just beginning, that would be ludicrous. What I would suggest is that they get really smart about thinking, how could they recruit a couple of unpaid interns? And, you know, episode 137 of Onward Nation lays out our entire plan. We've recruited 24 of them, um, you know, over the, the last several years, and they have been absolute rock stars. We include the entire recipe for how we have done that. And to use that recipe to recruit a couple of unpaid interns, either from local universities or from around the country. We have we have had interns from Ohio State, Purdue, Duke, um, I mean, just all over the country. So recruit a couple of unpaid interns, and, and then within the job description, say you're looking for somebody who is a website developer, somebody who really understands WordPress, somebody who might also happen to be like a great writer. And so look for these types of things, these skill sets, that you don't then have to outsource, you can give them to your unpaid interns and they'll do an amazing job just as ours have. Um, and then after their internship is up, maybe you start building out a marketing team by hiring those people as either part-time employees or full-time employees. So I would not start spending a lot of money on labor. Now the trade-off is you need to teach, right? You need to give them kind of the Marine Corps of internships, something that's challenging with a lot of opportunities. So there's trade off there. So maybe you do want to outsource like Dave, you were mentioning earlier because it's faster. And then as far as the, the Facebook campaigns, I would not be spending $3,000 a month on Facebook. I would be using the recipe that, that you already gave and, and I'd be doing daily budgets of maybe five to $10 testing three, four, five things. And then once I understood what the right theme was and so forth, then I might scale that to, you know, a hundred to $200, um, you know, in one week or spread that over two weeks to further the testing. Then I'd start collecting email addresses, which then doesn't cost you anything because now they're in your sphere of influence. Then I would set up a weekly email campaign that delivers great content, you know, to the people who had opted in and start developing the relationship. Then I might have an event. 
uh, where either I had people into my practice or, or whatever, so I could meet people, you know, face to face. And all of that could cost hundreds of dollars, not thousands of dollars. It costs you time, as you pointed out, but it doesn't have to cost a lot. And once, you know, somebody goes through that for three, four, five months, really understand the avatar, they've put some basic systems in place, they've done some testing, they've spent three, four, five hundred dollars, then scaling that again, not to $100,000, but scaling that to whatever that next budget is, but always be evaluating the ROI based on the email address would be the smart thing to do. Well, and I think what you just pointed out is great advice that there's an ROI of dollars, but there's other measurable things too. And I look at this and maybe you can correct me if I'm just way off base on this. For me, you know, there's there's kind of a short-term game and there's a long-term game. For me, I'm in this for the long-term. You know, I'm not necessarily in my business looking for an immediate return right now, today, in terms of dollars. I'm looking to build a relationship with someone. And I think as a physician, trust relationship is just as important as it is in the, the financial realm of where my base is located. Uh, and so for me, I look at it as uh, I'm experimenting. You know, you start asking for things, but you have to build some form of trust before you start asking. It's kind of like akin to um, you're single, you go into a bar, and you go up right to a girl and you ask for her number, <laughs> right? You know, you, you, you need to go about the process correctly. You know, if your intention is to get married, you don't want to ask her to get married uh, immediately or the second you meet her, right? You know, you, you want to first talk a little bit, get to know her, see if it might be a good fit. And then, you know, towards the end of the night, ask for a number, right? You know, you have to build the relationship, which in the case of digital marketing, takes time, effort, and maybe some money in the long-term game. You know, great points. Funny metaphor, but it's it's funny because we've all seen that guy that tries to do that and 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 probably not going to end well for that guy um, or girl, whatever. Um, and, and it's funny because when we start thinking of digital and how easy it is to access people and this and that, we somehow think that that gives us the permission to sidestep all of these sort of relational boundaries that just exist because we're people. So just because you can get somebody's email address doesn't mean that you can fast forward, slam them into a clinic appointment, you know, that afternoon without respecting the courtship that we as people is just part of our DNA. So again, doing what you just outlined and being aware of the fact that that exists is really important. Absolutely. Well, um, we're running out of time here today. I could just go on and on about this stuff, um, but I want to value your time. And I know that I've mentioned a few times that a lot of our listeners, they lack a business education. And you've been to the School of Hard Knocks a few times, as you referenced. Uh, and I'd love to tap into your wisdom for a second, but we don't have a whole month to do so. So I'd love to hear from you. What do you think the, the best lesson that we haven't covered yet today that you'd like to pass on to physicians would be? You know, th this might sound like maybe kind of an odd business lesson. It's not something they would teach you at Harvard Business School. 
but that is to get out of your own head, kick fear to the curb, and ignore the imposter syndrome. So this will feel a little bit stern for, for some of your listeners, but sometimes that's the lesson that we need to hear from a good mentor. And that is, stop believing this voice in your head that you can't, that you don't have time, that you're not capable. You're an amazing, awesome, incredibly gifted, talented person with this abundance of God-given talent. You're capable of so much more than that voice that is going on in your head right now. This stuff does not require you know, a PhD in mathematics or behavioral science or marketing. What it does require is a little bit of time and the guts to be wrong every now and again and do some testing. And the only thing that is holding you back from being awesome is yourself. It's not a deficiency in skill set. You can find that anywhere. It's not a deficiency of time. You can outsource it. It's not a deficiency of budget. You can find unpaid interns. The only thing that is being an obstacle to you right now is the imposter syndrome. And once you kick the fear to the curb and realize this is who I am and this is what I'm going to do, then momentum builds. The fear subsides. Your practice grows because you're serving the people who you want to serve and you're getting more enjoyment out of that process because they're clients and patients who are more aligned with the people who you want to serve. So the only thing that you need to do is get past the fear and the imposter syndrome. Every single person on this planet has dealt with it and does deal with it. In fact, I was spending some time with Darren Hardy, you know, from Success Magazine in April, and he was telling me how a friend of his is the CEO of $2 billion a year publicly traded company. And this guy had been running this company for many years and had deep experience in not only the industry, but as a CEO. And he confided in Darren and said, every single day I wake up and think to myself, is today the day they find out that I don't know what I'm doing? <laughs> and if somebody like that, who clearly is in the right role and is a master of what he's doing, is thinking that, <laughs> everybody does. So get past the fear, get past the imposter syndrome, align yourself with the right mentors as you're listening to Dave's show, and that will give you the momentum and hopefully the courage to push forward. Wow. That, that was just a fantastic message, one I think it's inspirational, one that, that gives great encouragement to the audience. And I would just want to add to that a little bit, my friends. I think one of the things I see a lot of physicians struggling with, besides the fear of getting started or, or trying something new, is this perfectionism syndrome of it needs to be perfect before I, I put it out there. Because so many physicians are used to being top of the class. They're used to passing every test. And in this world of, of digital marketing, you have to fail your way to success. And uh, you're not going to win every single time, but you have to figure out where do you win and then capitalize on that. Amen to that, brother. That is well said. Awesome. Well, Stephen, I know you have a book coming out soon, and I know you have the Onward Nation podcast, and I would just love for you to, to share just in our closing moments here information about that and where people can find you. 
Well, people can find me at onwardnation.com um, or predictiveroi.com, and I reply to every single email. Um, so if you want to send me an email, you're certainly welcome to do that at Stephen, S-T-E-P-H-E-N, at onwardnation.com. Um, and yes, I, I do thank you for that. I do have a new book uh, coming out. I just finished it actually uh, the other day. And um, it doesn't come out, uh, my publisher doesn't release it until like mid-2017, but it's called Profitable Podcasting. Um, but so Dave, you know, just thank you very much for the invitation. Uh, it's always wonderful to share ideas and connect with you. And I, I just, I think what you're doing in this space and how you approach and serve physicians is really admirable. Uh, it connects obviously into your personal story with your family. Um, so thank you very much for the invitation to join you today. No, thank you. And I know there was some great information here today. And I just want to encourage everyone that is listening right now, if you want this business education, Stephen's podcast, Onward Nation, goes through the travails, the wins, the spectacular failures of other business owners. And so if you want to get outside of medicine a little bit, what a great podcast to tune into every day of the week. So uh, definitely check out Stephen's podcast. Stephen, any other closing thoughts you'd like to leave us with? I, I, I think that um, I think the, the, the last thing that I would say is is to be is to be open to finding a mentor and checking your ego at the door, which is really hard to do sometimes and and to find that mentor who is moving at a pace and a tempo that is faster than you it matters who you spend your time with you will never outperform your inner circle if you hang out with people who are building a practice that is not as ambitious as you want or that is not focused on the level of care and nurturing that you want to provide then your practice will suffer too you will never, ever outperform your inner circle. So take the time to align yourself with the right mentors, with the right inner circle. You can't control the people around you, but you can control who is around you. So align yourself with the right inner circle that is going places that you want to go, that is moving at a pace and a tempo that is faster than you, and find the right mentors and spend time with them and then actually do what it is that they suggest you to do. And that would be a great recipe for success. Wow. That is fantastic advice. Well, again, Stephen, thank you for being with us. Really appreciate it. Thank you, my friend, for the invitation. Very, very kind of you. Well, my friends, if you are a physician and, and you're, you're struggling with these things, I would love to hear from you. You know, what more do you want to learn about this subject? How can we better mentor you on, on these business lessons? So I'd love to share that. Maybe we can bring Stephen back in a future Freedom Formula for Physicians podcast. So make sure to contact me, Dave, at drfreedompodcast.com or on my website, www.drfreedompodcast.com. For the Freedom Formula 4 Physicians Podcast, this is Dave Deniston. Thank you so much for joining us. 